out there in podcast land. You were such a dog once again to Combat Sports Toronto, episode 90. Holy smokes. Today joining me is going to be Janae Hollowpoint Harding, Bellator 145er, my dear friend, coming back for going a second round with Rhino. I cannot believe it. I am so stoked to have her on. It's such a great interview. She actually flips the script towards the end and asks me some questions. It's it's one of my favorite interviews we've ever done. So make sure you stay tuned for that one towards the end. Well, we have another fully loaded episode of CSWR. In addition to the interview, we will have my recaps of the co-main and main events from the PFL coverage of several of the Invicta 44 fights from Friday, our full breakdown of UFC 35, uh, Rhino's drop of the night today, picks for UFC Vegas 36, some Q&A with the Rhino gang, gang, gang. Then, like I said, the aforementioned Janae Hollowpoint Harding. Uh, it's about been about one year, I'd say, since our last time I had her on. We have a great time. It's a really fun interview. I hope you guys stick around and check that out. So, as we love to say around here, let's go ahead and get our swim trunks and our flippy floppies on and dive right in. So the PFL from Friday Night Co-Main was a 145-pound fight between Bubba Jenkins and Chris Wade. Chris Wade got the unanimous decision in that one. Moving into the main card, we had Mowgli Habibulev beating Brandon Locane by split decision. So that's our Co-Main and main from the PFL results uh, from, I believe, Friday. Uh, moving into last night, just real quick, we had Cage Titans with my man Joe Gennetti, the new 155-pound champion. Shout out to you, Skeletor. All right, Rhino gang. Moving into Invicta 44, which was a really fun card, actually. Um, this one was the bummer for me, was Katie Saul, uh, someone we've had on the show and is an awesome person. I, I thought clearly beat Marissa Valencia by, by decision. Somehow Marissa got the split decision. I gave Katie the first and the third very clearly. Bummer for Katie. I know she'll be back. Keep training, my friend. You did awesome. Moving into 135 pounds. That was a 105. Moving at 135 pounds. We had my girl, Serena DeJesus, beating Laura Mueller, UFC vet, by it was split decision. But again, I thought it was a clear-cut UD for Serena. But hey, as long as the right person won. So shout out to you, Serena. Moving into the title fight at 135 pounds, we had Lisa Verzosa versus Tanisha Tennant. Tanisha actually got the unanimous decision in this one, and that was the right call. She was, um, she just had a better night last night or that night than Lisa did. But Lisa, we we still uh, we still love you. We're still riding with you. We hope you do great in your next fight. You'll be back better than ever, champ. And then moving into the title fight of 115 pounds, we had Emily Ducote versus Danielle Taylor. This one was a highlight reel. Okay, <laughs> dude, Emily Ducote hurt Danielle, and Danielle kind of was leaning over, right, like almost like in a in a pause position. And then Emily just stepped forward and landed a huge, beautiful left high kick to Danielle's face, knocked her out, highlight real KO, and the title for Emily Ducote. All right, so that's our recap of everything pre-UFC from Saturday. Let's go ahead and get into our UFC Vegas 35 prelibs. Uh, first, we had Mana Martinez versus Guido Canetti. Uh, this one was Kennedy's hard leg kicks early, right? Um, Mana had a couple nice reversals off of takedown. He had some more punishing leg kicks, Guido, that is, in the second. Mana then finally started to pull away with the punches, uh, had better movement. Again, Mana missed weight, but he was a super late replacement. Obviously, you know, we all saw um, that Mana got the split decision in that one, and then we saw the emotion kind of pour out of him. He lost his longtime coach, Saul Solis, so... From the Houston area, man, if you're an MMA scene, you knew or, you know, at least knew of Saul Solis and what a uh, important figure he was for not only the Houston area, but for the entire landscape of MMA. So big loss uh, for that community and for our community. And Mana, we're really glad you got that decision, dude. Hopefully we can uh, see you next time in there at 135 and kick us some more ass. 
So moving into 145 pounds, we had Jamal Emmers versus Pat Zabatini. We didn't have to wait for long for this one, right? We had, well, first we had an early nut shot we had to contend with, right? Then there was some nice exchanging. Emmers ended up on top. Sabatini rolled into a heel hook. Jamal was trying to do his own sub, but, man, Pat really cranked on that. Really seemed to hurt Jamal. Uh, yeah, I got the heel hook submission in round one for Pat Zabatini. Moving into our next fight, we had J.J. Aldridge versus Vanessa Demopoulos at 125 pounds. This one was Vanessa was trying to be really aggressive and charge in, but J.J. had a couple nice takedowns. She had some good top control. Uh, she had a beautiful, a couple of beautiful hooks. She was doing a nice little combination where she was throwing a right hook followed by a straight left. So it was clearly all J.J. Aldridge almost the entire fight. Clear cut, you name a decision for her big win. All right, moving into Dustin Jacoby versus Darren the Dennis Stewart at 205. Early takedown for Darren Stewart, which I thought was interesting because I thought they were just going to stand up and uh, and bang it out on the feet. But Justin was or Dustin, excuse me, was able to get right up. He, uh, Darren got a second takedown, but again, Dustin was able to get out pretty quickly. They had a couple more nice exchanges, and then Dustin hurt Darren. Darren kind of you know fell back into the cage. Um, Dustin followed up with a few more beautiful shots. He had a nice uh, he had a nice shot that really seemed to kind of bend Darren over. Herzog steps in and stops at TKO in the first for Dustin Jacoby. All right, moving into our next fight. We had, let's talk about this as least as possible. We had Wellington Terman versus Smiling Sam Alvey. It was all Wellington. There wasn't a whole lot that happened for this fight, but uh, Wellington Terman at one point in the second, or I'm sorry, in the third round got two point deductions back to back for poking Smiling Sam in the eye, but actually still won by a split decision in that one. Uh, yeah, this yeah. The less talk about this fight, the better. Wellington determines but she win. Moving into our future prelim, with Alessio DeChirico versus Abdul Alraq Al Hazan. Wowza on this one, dude. Alessio DeChirico came in. I, I'm pretty sure it was the favorite, and that was the wrong call because Abdul Razak Al Hazan saw that he was dipping to his left through a right high kick. Oh my goodness. Did he smash Alessio DeChirico in the face, put him down and out. Beautiful first round head kick KO for Abdul Razak Al Hassan in our feature prelim. Moving into the main card. Our first one was Mahmoud Muradov versus Gerald GM3 Mearshart. Um, it was exchanging early. You know, Miradov seemed to hurt GM3 a couple times. Uh, GM3 did come back in that later in that first round with a nice uh, nice left hand that seemed to stumble Muradov. Um, and then when they got into the second round, GM3 drags Muradov down, takes his back, slaps on the RNC, got a beautiful and kind of upset win for the RNC submission round two for Gerald GM3 Mirshar over Mahmoud Muradov. Great win for him to start off the card. Moving into our next fight, which was also at 185 pounds, we had Andre Petrovsky versus Michael Gilmore, uh, two guys coming off the same tough season. A, a big hook led to a slam for Petrovsky early. Uh, he got a second slam in the first round as well. It was a pretty even second. Gilmore seemed to get a little bit more of his bearings. It seemed to land a little bit more. Uh, he Andre did get a late takedown in the second. And then in the third, it was all Petrovsky. Early takedown, left elbows, punches, GMP. So he got the stoppage in TKO round three for Andre Petrovsky. A uh, big win for him coming off a of tough. So good job for Andre Petrovsky. Sorry, Michael Gilmore. I know you're a fellow Michiganiac, but... <laughs> That's the way the cookie crumbles, right? <laughs> so, moving into Michigan. Speaking of Michiganiacs, we had Kevin Lee versus Daniel Rodriguez. Uh, Kevin Lee stepping up again to 170 pounds. Pretty even exchanging in the first. Uh, Kevin Lee got a nice, 
Got a nice takedown, got into half guard, was landing some decent ground and pound. Uh, early in the second, Kevin got another takedown, but D-Rod reverses. And pretty much from that point moving forward, it was for me, it was almost all D-Rod. He staggered Kevin Lee a couple times with some beautiful shots. D-Rod does some really crisp um, angling. So it is very small and it's very, it's very hard to see just when you're just kind of watching, you know, you really have to keep paying attention, but he puts himself in a great position for those jabs and those straight shots. He has great timing. He has a very good outlook on distance. Really impressed once again from D rod getting the unanimous decision win over Kevin, the Motown phenom Lee moving into our first tough finale. We had Ricky, uh, Tercios versus Brady Heastrand. This was a really fun fight, man. There was lots of striking. There was lots of takedowns. There was lots of scrambles. This one was a really fun fight. Um, at one point, the one-two dropped uh, Brady for Ricky, but man, what a back-and-forth fight. Great job by both guys. Really, really showed out. So Ricky wins the split decision win over Brady, wins the tough 135 championship, gets the contract. Great job for both of you guys. Moving into our next tough finale, we had Gilbert Urbina versus Brian Battle. This one was pretty much Gilbert at first. There was a lot of, they got after it right away, by the way. As soon as the bell rang, man, they were throwing, dude. Um, Urbina got two slam takedowns. Uh, and then the second round, that was pretty much the first. And in the second round, Urbina was landing some inside elbows, kind of opened himself up. Battle got the takedown, took the back, slapped on the rear naked choke. Uh, so he got the rear naked choke in round two for Brian Battle. So he is your tough 185 contract winner. Great job, both guys. Awesome, awesome stuff. Moving into our main event, we had Edson Barbosa versus Giga Chikadizi or Chikadzi, however you correctly pronounce it. I've heard it's done both ways. So this one was early body kicks were really thunderous for, for Giga in this one. Edson seemed to be trying to figure out the speed of Giga and wasn't really landing too much. He had a few nice leg kicks, but Giga seemed to definitely be the faster and, you know, all all full disclosure, I'm a humongous Edson Barbosa fan, and I have been for forever. I like Giga Chikese too, but Edson is one of my guys. So uh, Giga kept on kind of sticking in from the outside. He was really fast with the leg kicks, the body kicks, and he landed a few nice jabs and twos. Edson Barbosa finally in the uh, third got rocked pretty good. He was trying to stay in it. Um, he Giga actually dropped Edson. He got back up gamely. Then he jumped back on him and tried to choke. He got the back. But Edson being slick on the jiu-jitsu front, which a lot of people don't give him credit for, was able to get out of it. Giga abandoned it. They stood up and then boom, bang, boom. Right, left, right combo. Really hurt Giga. Herzog, I'm sorry, Giga really hurt Edson. Herzog had almost no choice but to stop in. Some people were crying early stoppage. Edson wasn't didn't like it. I thought it was a good one. Good win for Giga Chikizi in the main event from last night. So that will take care of our entire recap of the main card of Vegas 35. We don't have Dre today, so we're going to have to do a Rhino's uh, drop of the night. My drop of the night goes to Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. Oh, my goodness. That right head kick, just 17 seconds into round one. Dropped Alessio to Chirico. Oh, my goodness. That was amazing. Beautiful. Uh, Abdul's back was against the wall. He had several losses in a row. Great win for him to get back into the win column. Outstanding for your Rhinos drop of the night. So, D-Reigns, we're going to go ahead and get into our main card picks for UFC 36. I got Arian Lipsky beating Mandy Baum by unanimous decision at 125 pounds. I've got Luigi Vendramini stopping the hype train that is Patty Pimblett with a third-round TKO. 
265 golf. My goodness, we got one of the hottest prospects heavyweight he's seen in a long time. We got Tom Aspinall. I've got him beating Sergi or Sergey Pavlovich by or no, it's Sergey Spivak now, I believe, right? They had a switch. They had a switch of uh, opponents. Um, I got him winning by first round clean KO again. And then 185 pounds, I've got Derek Brunson beating Darren Till by a very close unanimous decision. So let's hear from our good friends speaking of picks from over at Fight Forecaster, and then we'll get into our Twitter questions. Speaking of picks, we all love to make them, but let's get real for a second. The sport of MMA is unpredictable. If anyone says they know for sure how a fight is going to go, they are either lying or delusional. Many of the best fights in history are the ones where the unexpected happens. And as we all know, the unexpected happens all the time. No Pick'em or Prediction app accounts for this unpredictability or even allows the forecaster to acknowledge that uncertainty is a real thing. Until now. We've got Fight Forecaster, fam. Fight Forecaster rewards its users for being precise in their predictions. You get the most points for picking the round, winner, and method, a decent amount of points for picking just the winner and method, and a small amount of points for picking just the winner. How confident and precise you want to be is completely up to you. Let's be honest, even the most hardcore fans don't know everything about every fighter. Don't we want to be a little bit safer in making our predictions? I know I do. With Fight Forecast, you can guarantee yourself points if you play it smart, whether you know the fighters or not. But it's always a lot better if you do, isn't it? The app is available on the App Store and Play Store and is absolutely free. If at some point you have any questions, suggestions, or concerns, you can DM the man in charge of Fight Forecaster, Ashwin, at O-M-N-I-S-H-W-I-N on Twitter directly. He will do his best to help you out. So please, folks, check out the Fight Forecaster app, CSWR's proud sponsor. All righty. I know our first Twitter question comes from our buddy, Ty Fly Guy. Ty, what do you got this week, dude? So Ty has, hey, Rhino, I am livid. Rose versus Zhang 2 was announced for UFC 268. This makes no sense because Rose knocked out Zhang in about a minute. Does the UFC set up these fights if they don't make sense because of the marketing potential with Zhang helping out the China market? And with that said, if you, as in me, are Carlos Esparza, who deserves oh, who deserves a title shot? Do you wait for the winner of the fight or do you fight someone else at the end of the year? As a matchmaker, who should Carla fight if she does want another fight? Sorry for the long-winded trio of questions. Love the show. Well, Ty Fly Guy, thank you very much for that question, my dude. So here's what I got. I'm certainly not sure why this fight was made right right now, okay? Coming out the definitive finish that Rose had uh, in fight one. Could it be marketing? Sure. But I'm leaning more towards people in, like, the power uh, of UFC or the, you know, the brass, as I like to say. I think that they kind of have this belief that Way could be a far more competitive and fan-friendly matchup with Rose, a.k.a. another Zhang versus JJ type of fight, than the very wrestle and grapple-heavy Carla versus Rose. If I'm Carla, that's, that's just what I'm, that's just my guess. That's what my, that's what my thoughts are on that. If I'm Carla, I'm definitely waiting for the winner. Um, but if she does decide to take a fight, I would go with the winner of Mackenzie Dern versus Marina Rodriguez. That one's on uh, October 9th. So again, if I'm her, I would sit it out and wait. But if she really does want to take another fight, then that would be the that'd be where the course that I would go, and I would take the winner of Mackenzie Dern and Marina Rodriguez, which, uh, like I said, happens on October 9th. So Ty Fly Guy, thank you so much for the question, my dude. All righty, D. Reigns, our next one comes from my homie Doc. Doc, what do you got this week? He says, we are both very high on heavyweight Tom Aspinall. Yes, we are. He fights Sergi Spivak next Saturday, um, and that's going to be a number 11 versus number 12 matchup. 
Should Tom get the win, which we both think he's going to, uh, what do I see next for him? Okay. So I've got to go with the winner of Marcin Tybura versus Drago Volkov, dude. That one's August. Not August. That one's October 30th. Marcin Tybura and Drago Volkov would both be super big step-up tests, I think. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. Who, I haven't really like looked into that fight who I think is going to win right off the top of my head, but it doesn't matter if it's either Marcin Tybura or Drago Volkov. This is a great test for Tom Aspinall because I don't think he can run through either of them. I think both of those guys are very durable. They're very tough. Um, and I think Tom Aspinall is a great matchup for them as well. So, yeah, that's why I really hope um, we can see fight uh, when Tom, if and when Tom Aspinall gets by. Sergey is either Drago Volkov or Marcin Tybura. So, great question, my dude, Doc. I know our next write-in question comes from our girl, APB. APB asks, who do I think uh, the tough winner should fight next and then rate their performances? So, here's, here's the only thing I have to suggest on this. Uh, for part one, APB, it's definitely don't throw either of them into the like into the deep end right away. Like, let's let's not feed these kids to the wolves right off the bat. Both guys are really young in the number of pro fights that they've had, so I would say let's match them up with uh, somebody of a similar record, someone who has, doesn't have like a ton of UFC experience because that is a real thing. Is even if somebody's like two and two in the UFC, if they've had tough fights and they've got that experience, it's a big time advantage over somebody who's just coming in. So, somebody who is very new in their UFC career and someone with a similar record are who I think both the new tough winners should face in their first, um, you know, non tough UFC fight, right? So, that's my answer on that one. And then, secondly, I think both of those guys look pretty comfortable considering all the pressure that was on them. They both performed really well. I give uh, Ricky an A and I give Brian an A minus because they both did a fantastic job. Brian got the submission win over Gilbert. And I think Ricky had to fight through a little bit more, you know, adversity. So yeah, I give them both A's just one an A and one an A minus, but fantastic job for both Ricky and Brian last night. So thank you so much. APB. That was a fantastic question, homie. All right, let's get into our last write-in, and that's from our dear friend, the Rage of Sweet Potato. He asks, is Kevin Lee too old to reinvent himself at this point, or can he make the adjustments necessary to reach the top? Or is a 165-pound division the only chance that he has at gold? So, yeah, dude, I know you mean old, like, career-wise. I think he's only, like, 28 chronologically, but, yeah. He already has a ton of mileage on him. He's been stopped. He's been hurt. He's been rocked. He's had a couple of knee surgeries. A lot of miles on the tread of those tires. I think Kevin Lee will be one of those fighters that, like when we're having discussions a few years from now, he gets mentioned as one of those guys who just had huge potential, right? Had a huge upside, had all the physical tools, and just was never able to really put it all together, dude. There was always something happening, and there's always something. He just couldn't get over that over that ledge. I don't see 165-pound division being made anytime soon, at least not while he's still in what we would probably consider the prime of his career. So, no, I don't think... <clears throat> yeah, man, I don't think Kevin Lee is ever going to contend for a title at any division. And I, I just I hope he can, you know, at least kind of right the ship and get a few more wins in his career. So he doesn't fall into prelim purgatory. You know what I mean? Because like I said, he has a lot of mileage on him, but he's only 28 years old. So that's my answer on that one. RSP, thank you so much, my dear brother from up north in Canada way. All right, D-Rain, let's go ahead and get our voice questions. I know our first one comes from the big homie, Jim Assoon. Jim, what do you got this week, brother? What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Ryan on around again. Hope you all doing well. All right, this fight ain't over yet. Uh, we just got the uh, tour man or whatever the fuck I already pronounced it. 
Just got the uh, point deduction for eye poke. And now he just fucking did it again. Wow. Anyways, what do you think next for Albie, man? Fucking. Look, another point. Wow. Okay, now what do you think about that? What do you think about the two point deduction? Damn. That's wild, eh? Anyways, that's my question, man. I agree with it, but what do you think? They were a little bit weak, but I don't care. You're told not to do it, don't do it. Anyways, you know, it's always 420. Please. So, the back-to-back eye pokes point deduction was crazy, dude. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Um, you're right in that they weren't, like, too devastating eye pokes, but I 10,000% agree with the two-point deduction. We see it on the timeline all the time when this happens, right? We, How do we minimize eye pokes? What can we do? You know, is it a glove change? Is it this, that, or the other? I think this is a good way to start, right? You know, that's one way to minimize it is to change the immediate and strict have it be like last night, change it to the immediate and strict implementation of point deductions. Eye pokes can be so devastating and they can be career enders. They can certainly be fight enders very easily. If someone is, is poking their eye or if they're even just extending the fingers, warn them. And if they poke somebody in the eye, take a point. Let's do it. Let's have that be a thing where people can actually make a part of their game plan. No matter what, do not extend your fingers because we don't want to get that point deduction. So I was all for it, dude. So yeah, totally okay with the two point deduction, Jim. We're so glad to have you back on the show, my brother. We all love you over here at the Rhino Gang. Thank you so much, my dude. Alrighty, I know next one comes from the big homie Juice from the Friendly Sparring Pod. Juice, what do you got this week, my brother? What's up, Rhino and the Rhino Gang? This is Juice from the Friendly Sparring Podcast. Let's say you had a machine and you could change the scientifically change the body composition of of one fighter uh, to make it so that uh, you know two fighters were in the same weight class. Not that you would only use this machine once. I'm just saying for the purposes of this question, what fight would you make across weight classes, but make them in the same weight class? You could have make them meet in the middle. Um, I had an idea. My idea was Jose Aldo. Versus Justin Gaethje. What do you think? Man, Aldo and Gaethje would be fire, dude. Uh, So I thought about this once I got it. For me, I'm going to go with GSP versus John Jones. Now, I know that everybody fights about GOAT, right? Everybody loves to fight about that conversation. But if you ever look at everybody's pretty much everybody in the top has at least both of them in their top three or four, right? So John Jones versus GSP. I would love to see a six foot four, 205 pound GSP walk into the cage and then be able to put his skill set on display versus John Jones uh, at light heavyweight. Dude, I think that would be an incredible fight to watch really high skill set. A lot of Evan flows in it. Yeah. So it's for me on that one. If I had that machine, I'm going GSP versus John Jones at light heavyweight, both six, four, Oh, my God, that'd be so much fun. So great question, my brother, Juice. Thank you, sir. If you guys have already, of course, check out Juice and Leo on the Friendly Sparring Pod. Too much fun over there. Great, great show. All right, and our last voice question comes from our homie, D-Crons. D-Crons says, um, oh, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and get into that voice question. It's a voice question. <laughs> hey, hey, Rhino, my bro. Fun night of fights, and I'm not proud of it, I guess, but I'm watching uh, Woodley and Paul tonight. Those fights are always a bit of a circus. It'll be interesting to see what happens, though. 
my question for you though is uh Uncle Dana playing favorites and keeping guys like Alvi around him. Pretty sure he hasn't had a win since late 2018. Uh zero wins in his last seven. Um how do you feel about them keeping Alvi around guys like that when the likes of I don't know Damian Maya have been cut. Just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Um, my mom sends her love to all y'all in the Rhino Gang, as do I. Love you guys. Have a great day, Rhino Gang Gang. Yeah, dude. The first thought I have about fighters on losing streaks being kept around the roster over others is that there must be some behind the scenes relationships that are being put into play. That's like my first like gut you know, reaction to it. Secondly, while I don't like it necessarily, there does need to be a group of veterans in each weight class for like the new up and comer young talent to fight. Right. So in order to gauge where you're at or where you need to work on what you need to improve on, you do as a young fighter and early in the career of the, especially the UFC, you've got to fight some veterans, right? And the veterans, I don't think they should go on five and six loss streaks, but a veteran who's got a 500 record, who's coming off a couple of losses, I think there needs to be a group of those guys in each one of the weight classes for the young guys to go up against. So, yeah, I don't know specifically what's up with the Sam Alvey situation or why Damian Maya got put out. I don't know, right? But that's that's the only thing I can kind of work my head around. So thank you very much, D. Kranz. And also a big shout-out to Mama Kranz. Uh, definitely an honorary member of the Rhino gang. We love you too, Mama Kranz. Hope you're having a great weekend, my dear. All right, D-Ray, that's going to go ahead and get into our 10 rounds with Rhino with Janae Harding after a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, Rhino gang, are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey? How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? We'll look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, K&RCustomDesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. Rhino Gang, we've got ourselves a fucking superstar special guest. I am so stoked to have her on. One of the very few guests who has ever dared to go an additional 10 rounds of Rhino, my dear friend, the hollow point herself, Janae hollow point Harding, Bellator featherweight. Janae, thank you so much for joining me today, my friend. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, Rhino. It's good to speak oh, to you. It's great to speak to you as well. We were just talking a little bit for a while off air, Janae, about how long it had been. It literally, it's been a full year. It was last year, August was the first <laughs> time we have you on. So lots has happened in subsequent, the subsequent year for sure. Definitely a whirlwind since then. <laughs> you got that right, dude. <laughs> so there's a, you know, there, there. We, I do the ten rounds with, with, you know, lots of my guests that come on. We do ten rounds, 
And it's normally, it's really kind of designed on getting to know the fighter, uh, getting to know some things about the fighter's career. But we've already we've already been there, done that, and got the T-shirt. So what we're going to do with this 10 rounds is going to be a little bit different. Um, you know, there's going to be one question of kind of about business being the MMA. And then after that, it's going to be kind of like, what would you choose kind of style. Uh, yep. That's how we're going to go. Uh, and then plot twist for everybody listening, Janae, who very possibly is going to be having her own podcast in the not too distant of future is going to be flipping the script and interviewing the older rhino for a few questions at the end. So <laughs> stay tuned for that, but we'll start out with the regular way, which is me. So like I said, Janae, let's go ahead and get, uh, let's get business out of the way. First, your last fight in may was, mm-hmm. uh, versus Leah McCourt. You were looking great. You were, I would use the word dominating the fight, um, until she stunned you and got you in the triangle sub. Uh, it's hard for us when we lose a fight to, especially immediately after, to look at the things that we did well and to take away some of the good points of it. Obviously, you were doing great up until that point. What are some of the things from that fight that you took away that you were like, okay, I really have improved in that area? Yeah, definitely a blessing in disguise knowing that um, all in all it was a good performance, as per se. So, yeah, I took – I think my – my cage time's definitely finally kind of coming to fruition of helping me with my maturity and stuff like that. I definitely felt great um, in a clinch with someone who's been doing judo since she was like six or something and, and obviously has represented quite a lot and had a lot of experience in that area of expertise for sure. So I was definitely proud of myself um, for kind of coming forth on that. And then um, the probably like just before the triangle and the knockdown, the upkick, um, I was – I mean, there was definitely things I could have improved on on the ground, but I was glad that I was sticking to my game plan and my strengths and and holding um, the position well enough and and getting those ground and pound shots off. So definitely a few positives to take from it. Um, Obviously disappointed in the result, but um, I do think there's probably a reason for it. So, yeah, we kind of move on and keep going. Hell yeah, dude. That's a great outlook to have. And people forget because you've been around, you know, you've been uh, someone who's been seen for a long time and you're very active on social media and you're great about interacting with fans and taking interview requests and so on and so forth. So people forget you're still super young. What are you, 26 now? Yeah, 26. Right. So you're super young and you got tons of years to keep maturing and to keep progressing. And that's just an outstanding outlook to have. So we have finished our business as far as just MMA. Now, like I said, Janae, you you do a lot of interviews. You've been someone who has uh, on on Instagram. If you follow Janae, she'll do a lot of like ask me anything, right? So there's been a lot of questions asked. So I really had to put my fucking cap on and come up with some good shit for this interview today. So we're gonna switch gears for some fun ones. So you've got this is your challenge. You've got three months in the unforgiving Australian outback. You of course mm-hmm. can keep your beloved dogs with you. There, there's no way I'm gonna separate you. But you got the dogs. You got to do three months out there. You can only pick two people to do this challenge with you and you have to choose between. Okay. So that's the first part. So you have to pick uh, two people to do a three month Australian outback challenge. And then there's another challenge involved in that, but go ahead and pick the two people first. Ooh, it's a really hard one because obviously I don't, I don't really want to put other people in the position to be stuck in the outback for three months. <laughs> be <laughs> like, selfish, oh be selfish. God, Who's going to benefit you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who's going to benefit me though? Um, I would probably have to say one of my good friends, Jenna, we always go on about and joke about like how independent we are and stuff. And and we always do like little home projects or whatever between us. And then um, like, if we don't know how to do it, we'll Google it or whatever. So we kind of figure out a way we're very competent people and I've traveled with her before to the Philippines. So probably take her 
And the hard one on the second one. <laughs> um, to go to the outback. I don't really know a lot of people that even go hiking and whatnot. So we could keep it to just Jenna. So just we could we could do that. We could make it a menu. Yeah. We'll make it Jenna, Jenna and the two dogs. Yeah, yeah, would all be sweet. Yeah. Okay, so here's the second part of this challenge. Your mm-hmm. choice. Okay, because I know I know you love the devil's lettuce. We all know who follow you. <laughs> you you can you right. You could choose to either have one joint per day every day of the entire time, or mm-hmm. one hour of full phone usage including wi-fi so you got internet access for one hour a day so you either get phone with internet for one hour a day or one joint per day which one are you going with i'll probably have to go the phone so that i can speak to my mom i I (laughs) wouldn't be able to speak to her for a few months it's already hard enough at the moment with covid and everything being separated from her so yeah i would definitely be pretty selfish if i wasn't choosing the phone time and i can I, i love the devil's letters but i can definitely put it down anytime i need to which is great Hell yeah, dude. So our <laughs> third one is is a very Australian-centric question. <laughs> so you got our bands, ACDC, Silverchair, Midnight Oil, Wolf Mother, In Excess, <laughs> The Bee Gees, Jet, The Vines. Out of this list, or maybe you could put somebody else in if you'd like, but just from a homegrown Australian rock band, who is your favorite Aussie rock band? Out of, out of those ones... I'd definitely say ACDC. You can't really go past that. Like, that's pivotal. (laughs) Especially in Australian culture, calling it Akadaka and everything like that. Yeah, there have to be those guys. So ACDC, the old school band, gets the big fucking win on that one. All right. (laughs) So, Janae, if you and I I were bullshitting, um, I don't know, this has got to be two or three weeks, and we were bullshitting in the DMs, and I suggested a possible move to becoming an action movie star, not right now, but at some point in your life. So do do you think learning the dialogue or doing your own stunts would be the more difficult situation for you should you become an action star? Um, Definitely the dialogue. Like I've done a little bit of um, casting and and little bits and pieces here and there. And um, I think doing my own stunts would be like the enjoyable part. I don't think you'd even have to pay me to do that kind of stuff, but. I do think like remembering my lines and just um just once that camera's on the extra pressure is, is a little bit difficult. Okay, that's that, you know that that's like the that's like the inaugural thing that I would think would be the answer, but I still wasn't yeah. sure because I have seen you do you know like commercial style stuff and you're mm-hmm. very good you're very good at it. So I didn't know if that was just naturally came to you or no. you really had to fucking work out. <laughs> the twenty hundred so. takes that you didn't see before. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So if you were gonna pick a co-star. For this, it could be anybody, anybody you like, anybody you think is cool, whoever. It's completely your call. Who would you like to co-star in this blockbuster action movie with you? Oh, a co-star for like, yeah, someone that can do their stunts as well. Probably have to be a fellow fighter then, I guess. Um, who would I put forward? Maybe could be anyone, but um, yeah, maybe I'll take Alima with me. I think she would be a fantastic, uh, like, movie star, um, like, action hero kind of thing, and, and a, like, a strong female role model as well that would be able to do her own stunts. Hell yeah, dude. Alima McFarlane, shout out. Yes. And you know what's funny is I always used to say, um, you know the song The Lion Sleeps Tonight with the Awima way? 
You know, yeah. that, you know, I always, that's how I say it when I say her name. I always go, Ali Malay, Ali Malay, Ali Malay. <laughs> that was the first song I ever learned on guitar. Is that right? Oh, for her. yeah. <laughs> so this question was predestined for you to answer Ali Malay yeah. McFarland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. So you've been fortunate enough to really, you've trained at a lot of very cool places around the world, including Ruka in Costa Mesa, California, where I mean, any of us who follow the sport know so many champions have and continue to train. How did you get ended up hooking up with those guys and getting over to train with Jason Perillo and everybody else? Yeah, well, um, I'm already part of the Australian ambassador team over here. Um, obviously, been an ambassador for Ruka for a little while now. I think we're going on like three years, which is really cool. Um, it's definitely always been something that I wanted to do to make it over, but for whatever reason, every trip I've had and then I guess the pandemic and everything has kind of changed it and I, I never really had the opportunity to jet over to Costa Mesa. I maybe was like near um, nearby in LA or something but I never quite understood um, I guess the geography of, of America as much as I do now um, which is really cool. So yeah last trip I was like all right I'm definitely because of the pandemic I haven't really been able to travel properly I might as well take advantage of being out of trouble um, at this time and spending a couple of weeks over in the US was the plan. Um, so yeah, I went straight, straight from my fight to Vegas and straight from Vegas to Costa Mesa. And it was definitely one of the best things I did. Um, going to visit, getting to do some work with Perillo, shooting some stuff with the team, all of the Ruka team, like not just the MMA crew, the, the team behind the scenes, the designers, the, the, like the people that coordinate our, us ambassadors, um, every single person involved, even the people that work in the retail store, like they're the nicest people. It's one of the best companies that I've ever had the, the luxury of, of linking in with and, and hopefully we'll have a long relationship going forward and I'll get to go back and visit, of course, because it's such a great facility. Yeah, that, I think they've done at least two or three, um, you know, either either embeddeds or any other, you know, UFC or Bellator kind of inside look small documentaries where Ruka has really been kind of looked at and shown it is top tier from fucking start to finish. So yeah, what a cool place. It was really neat to see you in there training with those guys and girls. Very cool stuff. So we have another, you get to pick question here, dude. Yeah. Yeah. You have the option right this second, not yesterday, not tomorrow, but right this second hollow point, you can choose. And we all know you have a sweet tooth. You can <laughs> choose the best box of chocolates in the world that could be in front of you right now, or mm -hmm. you can get a full body chiropractic adjustment from Dr. Bo, Bo, Dr. Bo Hightower, who has fixed up tons of high level mixed, mixed martial arts fighters, or your third option, my friend, you can yeah. get a huge tattoo. You can get a full sleeve, you get a whole back piece, you get your whole leg piece, whatever you want, a huge tattoo, which will be virtually painless to get and completely healed in 24 hours. So to recap, the best chocolates in the world, a full chiropractic adjustment, or a giant tattoo, virtually painless, and totally healed in 24 hours right now. What do you go with? I'm going to have to go the chiropractic adjustment because of um, due to COVID, my physio is way too far away, and I haven't been able to go to the physio in about, it's going on like three months, so definitely much needed and necessary chiropractic adjustment. <laughs> that was not that yeah i thought all three of them were pretty close so i really they no were idea. i really had no idea what you were gonna go with that but this one. current situation's got me <laughs> sorting out my priorities my priorities is to not be cracking my neck every three seconds <laughs> <laughs> well we call that self-adjusting okay you're just self-adjusting you're trying to maintain in between yeah. visits so i understand i'm a self-adjuster myself so all right <laughs> we're into the eighth question now homie so janae i've got to make i have to take a serious tone here Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Janae, 
we have fallen on hard times. Both of us, we're, we're, we have fallen on hard times. Right. We have now degenerated into thieves, criminals, and otherwise bad people. Yeah. We, we've decided that we, we find each other on the streets of Sydney, probably eating out of garbage cans. Yeah. We decide we're going to form our own street yeah. gang. We have to make uh-huh. us this street gang up with three other female MMA fighters and three other male fighters. So who's joining us on the Hollow Point Rhinos? Three female <laughs> fighters and three male three fighters. Yes, uh, yes, three we are gangsters. a gang. We are a um, nitty gritty, dirty street gang full of pro <laughs> fighters. And who are our three other female fighters and three male fighters? This is the hard one. Um, I think we'd have to definitely have Cynthia Calvillo. She's a fucking gangster, just in her own accord. I think she would be a G. Um, I'm not sure of the other two. No, if if you don't want to pick, you got to pick at least one male fighter. Then I'll fill yeah. in the rest. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So Cynthia, we'll do. Um, oh, we'll do Mallory, of course. She doesn't look like she's a little gangster, but she's just an undercover hand in her business <laughs> kind of thing. Um, and for the males, we might as well pick a couple of males. Um, I guess. I guess we'd have to have maybe maybe someone like Jorge Masvidal, someone who started like legitimately in the backyards and stuff. Um, There's so, so many fighters. There's like way too many. <laughs> you got to think about it too. Bad. It's not just. It's not just. We definitely in regard... have to have a Diaz brother. Oh, I, I wouldn't perfect. mind both. Hell yeah. But Hell yeah. <laughs> if I think I think Nathan would be a lot easier to to speak to in my personal opinion, <laughs> like to coordinate. You know what I mean? Like love both of them, but I do think like you'd just be like Nate. We need a we need to do this, and he'd be like yeah. And you wouldn't even have to have the conversation. So, yeah, definitely, like, yeah, when you're thinking about, like, I guess the BMF people. And, um, yeah, I guess that leaves one spot for a male and one spot for a female. What are we going to do? There's so many. I've got so many female fighter friends. I'm going to go with um, Kauai. She's another Hawaiian. And I, I remember, like, the very first time I ever met her. Um, someone was looking at her wrong and she just straight went full Hawaiian, full Polynesian, like, like me in a sense and was like, I'm going to fuck this bitch up. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, where are we going to go? I was like, I don't really want to cause I'm on holiday, but <laughs> like, I mean, if we have to, so yeah, I guess those, those three gangsters for the females, we got two for the males. Maybe you choose that last, last Oh one. yeah. Well, that's, that's an easy one for me. If there's only one slot available, I'm going Francis and Ganyu all day, oh, every day. Yes. Twice, twice, twice. We could take it between the, <laughs> between the well, so that would be that would be a total of eight, right? Because there's you yeah. plus the three other ladies, and then me plus the three. Between the eight of us, we could take oh, on twenty five people, bro. Absolutely, you know what I mean. Yeah. And Francis would take on <laughs> ten of them himself. Yeah. <laughs> Francis first, we back him up. Anyone, any strikers, we got up. <laughs> right, we have the advantage no matter what the situation is. I feel like yeah. no matter Especially what. Especially here in Sydney, like uh, yeah, we're good. We're good. <laughs> 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 All right, so we are now in round number nine. So we've got to keep the food tradition alive. I always talk about food or I bring up a food question. So normally it is, 
you know, you just had to fight, you know, you finally get to indulge in something. So that's usually the question for number nine. But we got to go a little bit more in depth. Like I said, I spent a lot of time on this because you, my friend, have answered a shit ton of questions over time. Yeah. So I did not yeah. want to be re- I did not want to be redundant and I did not want to have anything else that anybody else had ever brought up to you. So keeping with the theme of of choosing something to eat now, you have already had your fight, you've already won. So it's the same steal, but you get to choose between these three options. You okay. can have option A, which is soup salad the steak done the best you've ever steak you've ever had we're talking wagyu we're talking the best style you like it cooked plus the potato obviously all done in your favorite way so that's option a like the the classic steak dinner and australia Mm -hmm. has some of the best beef in the world believe me it's amazing everybody so also you have a full seafood feast all of your favorite like delicacies from the water you could have all of them from your seafood feast and then third full italian all the italian side dishes pizza pasta all that stuff. So, steak dinner, seafood feast, or Italian all day. What are you going with? Hollow Point Hardy. I'm going to go to the seafood. Freaking love seafood. And if it's, especially if it's that, you know how you go to those places and they put it in the bag and they just like empty the bag on your table and then you just eat with a bib and like gloves. And it's, yeah, those are called a boil. Yeah. But (laughs) it's like the best shrimp, lobster, crab. Yes, all of that. So we got our seafood feast for this. I, my friend, I'm going steak dinner. I'm a steak dinner guy. I'm a Midwesterner. I am all about beef. So that would be mine. So, yes, you can have all the seafood you want. That is all you, homie. So let's go ahead and get into round 10 is the socials because I know we shared it last time, but things may have changed. we got a whole lot of new listeners now. So, Janae, share your socials with everybody so everybody can kind of follow you and check you out, check out your your awesome videos that you post. So we can all just kind of follow you and keep tabs on you as your uh, career moves forward. Yeah, for sure. So we have Instagram, Janae Harding. We have Facebook, Janae Harding. And Twitter is Janae Harding. I think it's like Janae Harding 15 or something like that. And then, of course, we've got our Twitch, Janae Harding, as well. And um, if you guys really want, you guys can add me on PSN. It's hollowpoint-15. But the best place to be is Instagram. It's the one I update the most, the one I do the most sort of interaction, competitions, videos, all sorts of things like that. So, yeah, give me a follow and check me out. Yeah, absolutely do that. Not only is she uh, very active on Instagram, but she is someone who is always doing something else uh, in the media world, whether it's commercials, whether it's, you know, uh, being a brand ambassador. Janae has got her finger in a whole bunch of different pots, which is so awesome to see somebody at her age and her, you know, being so diverse in the portfolio of things. So, yes, absolutely. Everybody give her a follow on all her platforms. Check her out. So, Janae. We and you and I have decided that we're going to flip the script a little bit here at the end. So I have opened myself up. I am opening up Pandora's box, if you will. I'm cracking open the fourth wall, and you are going to ask me some questions. So, my friend, you go ahead and you take it away. Here we go, Rhino. So we're going to start off with a little bit more serious stuff. Of course, the basic one and the one that everyone probably wants to know. What was the turning point that made you start your own podcast, finishing the sport? Do you love talking about it? Do you love the sport? What made you give people like us the platform that we, we kind of need? Oh, absolutely. That's a great question, dude. The, uh, the thing was, so I stopped. My last professional fight was in 2018. And I had a mm-hmm. really long career. I mean, I was very fortunate. I started in the amateurs. So from the amateurs through the pros, I fought for 13 years. Now, as a heavyweight pro boxer, that's not very common, right? So yeah. I was fortunate enough to go for a really long time. And it was really the focal point of my life. It was what I dreamed about, it was what I thought about. I mean, I lived that life so fully. 
And when I had to, well, I didn't really have to retire, I guess, but I, I felt like I could no longer compete at the level where I felt where I was doing a good enough, you know what I'm doing myself a service, right? Yeah. Like I didn't feel like I, I think like I lost a step and you know, there was a few things. So when I retired, it definitely left a huge void. Um, not just physically, but you know, em- emotionally and mentally, there was just something that was missing. And I've, I've been a huge fan of all combat sports since I'm little. I mean, I remember being seven and watching boxing with my dad. And I remember being uh, at Blockbuster Video in 1993 and getting my first yeah. UFC video and looking at me like, what the fuck is this? And then being <laughs> obsessed with it from that point forward. So yeah, I watch literally everything I can get by, I can possibly find. Um, yeah, I, so that's why it was just, it was to fill the void. And fortunately, you know, I was given the gift of gab. So I don't, I feel comfortable public speaking. I feel comfortable uh, rapid fire. I feel comfortable talking quickly and getting to things concisely. So yeah, yeah this was this was the perfect forum uh, for me to do that. And I've been really fortunate to have such great support, to have such great guests that you know not only agree to be on, but really have a good time coming on my show. So yeah, it's been nothing but positive, and uh, yeah, that's that's really what made me get into it to begin with. Yeah, that's awesome. It's lovely to hear that uh, it's like giving you another avenue to stay a part of this sport and having this part of this sport part of your life as well. Um, because, yeah, as we all know, I like I honestly say this to a lot of people and um, I know other sports people are kind of like, oh, if I didn't have to play football, whatever it is, I wouldn't. And whereas like people like us and most of the fighters were all like, if we didn't have to fight, we probably still would fight anyway. Like, right. it's just like something that we do. So that's really cool. And I guess on going off that, after 13 years in boxing, um, you would have learned a lot. You would have seen a lot and, and dealt with a lot. What was like one of the biggest lessons that you learned from those those that time in the sport? Uh, definitely one thing that I never fully put um, true stock into was the politics of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't. You, you don't, you can't fully understand it until you become immersed in it. Um, it, it really is a situation and people see it at the highest levels. Now, can you imagine at my level, which is like mid, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, I would, people have asked me before, I would relate it to more like, uh, more like an LFA or, you know, kind of a, kind of like the middle of the road yeah. as far as the pro game goes. That's where I was for my whole career. Um, if you roll into somebody's hometown, if you don't stop them, you're going to lose. And yeah. I didn't, I didn't know if that was really true. Maybe I thought it was just like a rumor for something from the movies, but no, it really, for a lot of times it really is. There's a lot of truth to that. Um, the, uh, how many people decided to take easy fights early on, right. To try to yeah, pad their record. Pad the records, yeah. Right. I didn't think that was real too. And then when I got in the program, <laughs> I realized it sure is, it is real. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, mm. I, I never did that. I was never given that opportunity or I was never yes. given that option. And I'm glad I didn't, I would rather be a 500 fighter and have fought all real guys, all real tough fights than be 20 and five. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that, yeah, that was definitely something that I learned very early on, you know, and I, which I had no yeah. idea was actually a real thing. I thought it was just kind of rumor and innuendo, but nope, there's a lot of truth to that. Absolutely. Authenticity in a sport like this, unfortunately, is really rare. Like it's, it's rare to find someone who's experienced everything through going, like taking their steps. Someone like, I mean, we're about to watch Jake Paul and T Wood on the, on the weekend. And it's kind of like, man, like 
Jake Paul hasn't come up through the amateurs and then had to like fight his way up through the pros and stuff like some of us did. Like it's it's a bit sad and and yeah, especially in boxing, I don't feel like it's as bad in, in MMA from someone who's experienced both. But I even in Australia, like I, I'm finding in people's hometowns and stuff, unfortunately, you know, you're not going to get that decision if it goes to the points and it's it's it hurts because of course we put the same amount of effort into our camps and we put the same performances on. But yeah, doesn't always go our way it's such a shame that that's a a real thing of the sport but it's definitely good to I think show a little bit more exposure to anyone coming up and and know you know like if you're going to fight someone maybe try fight them in in your hometown if you can if you can't then go in with everything throw everything you're right because you're probably not going to get a decision if it's close yeah. and then uh, <laughs> yeah if, you, if you've never fought like and I look at the, some of these people like they fought they fight in giant arenas like their second and third fights you know what I mean like if you're not fighting in a yeah. fucking like a VFW hall or like an outdoor beer tent at a fucking, uh, you know, <laughs> some small like, yeah, right. If, you, if you've never experienced that, you missed out because that really yeah. is part of that really is part of building yourself as a fighter. As these smoky, you know, could be the ring could be a little bit off kilter. There, you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean. There's blood stains all over the from place. The ring, you're not really <laughs> yeah, sure. right. <laughs> if you don't experience that, you do. You really do miss out on a part of. Um, this thing, this fraternity, that is something that, you know, it's 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 cool that only a very small percentage of human beings actually know what it's like yes. to have to go through that. And so it is it is kind of a cool special thing. And you really do miss out, like if you're someone like this Jake Paul character who never have had the, those kind of experiences like you and I have. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, the cool thing about saying in saying that is that you know what, when you get to the top tier, there is no hiding. There is no padding records and stuff you have to fight the best of the best if you're a champion you have to fight the top 10 and those top 10 are absolute killers so you've got to kind of I guess do yourself a, a service and make sure so I guess in saying that what is like one of the biggest advice you would give to somebody coming up through combat sports whether it's boxing MMA any of it what's something that you would say stick to or or is important yeah definitely um I, I think pretty much all of us who have been around the sport for a long time have seen the revolving door effect, right? Where mm -hmm. somebody comes in and they are just so hyped up and everything's like, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to be here five days a week, six <laughs> days a week, twice a day, three hours a day. I'm so dedicated to this. And I think they believe it when they say it. Like, I don't think these people are lying because mm -hmm. I think they really, they believe that. But then when they start to realize the actual hard work and the actual commitment and the actual dedication. And yeah, you miss things. You miss things that you don't, nobody else would understand. You're missing like, yeah, you're going to miss a friend's wedding. If you're really, you know, really committed to it, you're going to miss this. You're going to miss that. Like, yeah. That's the level of dedication. And then they start to, they start to come four days a week and then yeah. three days a week. Like, Oh, sorry. I had work and Oh man, things are just going, you know, arrive. And you start to hear all the slew of excuses and yeah. then they're there two days a week and then one and then they're there three times a month and then you don't see them anymore. Yes. So I would say the the idea of being a fighter is cool. I know that. Yeah. That's why I got into it. That's why you got into it. That's why 99% mm -hmm. of people. It's it's cool. It's a cool thing. You have to realize the actual physical toll it takes on you yeah. first. Secondly, that you're going to have to miss things that you don't want to miss in order to be successful. And mm -hmm. then lastly is don't don't try to jump in and burn everything out because if you're if you're really trying to get get yourself you have to level up right 
So yeah. yes, go go every day per week, all five days a week, you know, Monday through Friday, and go for go for one class to start. If you do that yeah. for a few weeks and you like that, build on that. Go from taking a gist class to a Muay Thai class. If you like that and you can still you know handle it, go up to the the adult one where that has sparring in it, right? So mm-hmm. I would say don't try to do everything at once. I would say yeah. try to try to do things in stages, and that's going to be a better way to keep to let your body kind of adjust and adapt, and your mental because it really does drain on you mentally. And just realize that there's a shit ton of work and a shit ton of commitment that comes along to it that doesn't end three months after you start. It doesn't end every year after you start. It doesn't end five years after you start. It yeah. ends when you're done. So it's a big level of commitment. Yeah. Absolutely. And in saying that, it's kind of like, if you really love this sport and if you really want to do well at this, then it won't feel like a sacrifice. It will just be almost second nature for you to decline your friends to go out to the club or to miss somebody's birthday dinner or maybe go to that birthday dinner, but you can't eat or whatever it is. Like right. it, it won't feel like a sacrifice if you truly want to do it because like, yeah, like you're saying, this sport no, does not stop on the sacrifices. You think you've gotten to the next tier. You think you've gotten to like a bigger promotion or whatever, and you can kind of take days off and you've put all these years in. Nah, it doesn't work like that. Nothing beats hard work. And I think that's a really, really great advice to give to other people for sure. Let's um, <laughs> hand it back to you. All right. Well, today that was an awesome job. I can't wait for you to get your own podcast going, whatever that may be. I will, I will certainly be a free consultant where you can always uh, text me and let me know, hey, I got this idea. This, What do you think? I'll be like, Shh, that's terrible, Janae. Don't do that. And then, <laughs> that's or as you guys say in Australia, throw it in the bin. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, the definitely, dude. So, uh, yeah, today I can't thank you enough for coming on. I absolutely love having you on the show. This is probably going to be – we'll try to do this every year. Every year moving forward, yes. we are going to have the Hollow Point Rhino uh, reconnect, have you on mm-hmm. for another one. We are so stoked to follow you on all of your platforms and check Janae Hollow Point Harding out her next time in the Bellator cage. We are all looking forward to it, my friend. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ryan. I appreciate it. This is Janae Hollow Point Harding, and I just went another 10 rounds with Rhino. God dang, that was so fun, dude. Janae did a great job of uh, not only answering my off-the-wall questions, but coming up with some fantastic fire questions when she was the interviewer and I was the subject, as it were. It's a little switcheroo for this show. So thank you so much, Janae. All right, let's get into our shout-outs and outro for the forum contributors. Of course, Ty Fly Guy, Jimisu, my homie the Doc, Juice from the Friendly Sparring Pod, uh, our girl APB, D. Kranz, RSP, thank you guys all so much for your awesome questions. To other members of the Rhino Gang, to the Filthy Casual, Brat, Cyrus King, Mike Morgan, Kairos, all the ladies of the PRG, all the homies in the Rhino Gang, GC, gang, 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 to the homie Unmatched MMA, Ashley, formerly the MMA nerd, <laughs> Pokey Mama, Brandon, Echo, Miss Fight Diva, Marquise from Week Sauce Radio. Of course, to our Fight Forecaster sponsor, Ashwood. Big shout out to you, homie. To our girl, Drea. We can't wait to have you back next week because reading and answering those questions is hard. <laughs> it really is. To my homie, D. Rays, the best engineer in the biz. To the best graphic designer there is on the planet, Dave Fretz. Check out the inside of graphic design on his Twitter and Instagram. That's at Dave Fretz. So, everybody, I hope you guys have a great week. I hope this heat that is kicking a lot of our asses, moves out of here. We need some cool fall weather to move in. I hope you guys are all have a good week. I hope you guys are kind. Be cool to your friends, your family, your neighbors. Call up a friend you haven't talked to in a long time. Forever and ever, Black Lives Matter. 
and we will see you next week. Game set!